Well, I can't tell you how excited I am to speak today. I, I do love my country. You don't have to forgive me because I'll probably be emotional most of the time. <laughs> I didn't get to preach this to Tiffany first, so I have no idea how long it's going to be. And, uh, but I hope you'll bear with me. I, I want to be respectful of your time and of the day and uh, what it's about. But don't just make it about a barbecue. And don't just make it about getting together, hanging out. Uh, take some time to reflect, even when you leave here this morning, of how great a country we have. I'll tell you a little bit about myself, not that it matters. There are visitors here, so I'm glad, because you don't know me, so this makes it work. Uh, but there may be, and I'm not, listen, it's not a great in-detail story, but uh, I just want you to know where I'm coming from. Uh, I was born and raised in the hills of East Tennessee, and uh, I spent my childhood in Elk Valley, Tennessee. I'm sure you all know where that's at. <laughs> You know what was crazy is when we first got here, we actually met a family that was married in the town my grandparents lived in when we got to South Dakota. And I thought for a minute it was going to be my papal that married them. But in that town of Jellicoe, Tennessee, where we moved to when I was 10 years old, my parents were divorced when I was 10, and we moved just 12 miles down the road to Jellicoe, people come from all over, especially Kentucky, to get married just across the line in Tennessee because you didn't have to have a blood test. And there was, it was easy to get married in Tennessee, I guess. So if you wanted a justice of the peace, you went to Creekmore and Son grocery store. Or you went, if you wanted a preacher, you went to my papa's house. I can't tell you how many wet, uh, weddings I witnessed as a kid. But anyway, so I spent my childhood in Elk Valley. Preacher got to see that this last October. Uh, I hadn't been there in a long time. And we went there to lay my dad to rest. But I was glad to get to show my kids where I used to crash bicycles. <laughs> the cemetery where my dad was buried, there was this notorious hill. It was notorious to me. I'd come flying around that hill and lose control every time. And, uh, and my dad is buried right beside of that. So I hadn't been there in quite a while. So we were there back in October. But anyway, my parents divorced when I was 10. We moved to Jellicoe, Tennessee. And my mom remarried when I was 14. And we moved across the mountain about 30 miles to Lafayette, Tennessee. And that's where I attended high school. So everybody I went to school with up until then I left and went to a, a Campbell County Comprehensive High School, which was a big school. There was about 1,500 students there. And uh, that's where I met my first wife. <laughs> in the summer of 1995 at band camp. That's where I met. And by the way, she's still my first wife. As a matter of fact, we just had our 23rd anniversary. And uh, fast forward some, I got this wild hair to join the United States Air Force in the fall of 1997. Had never wanted to be a part of the military. I shunned all the recruiters. But for whatever reason, I decided I was going to join the Air Force. And so I did, and I was off to basic training in April of 1998. And I had no idea what God was, had no idea what he was lining up 
for my life back there in 1998. I had whole different plans for joining. That's why I joined the Air Force was totally different than what God's plans were. And that happens a lot. <laughs> so make your plans. <laughs> but don't be surprised if God changes them somewhere along the lines. So June 26, 1999, I came home from Tennessee and Tiff and I got married. That was the right date, was it? Okay. <laughs> we came back to South Dakota and began our lives together. I'll never forget when I woke her up when we crossed the South Dakota line over on the east side of the state. Where's all the trees, she says. <laughs> we come from Tennessee. And uh, we didn't know what it was like to look out over the horizon. There was no horizon in Tennessee. And uh, it wasn't until October of 2000 that we discovered Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. We literally were in a drought in, in our lives and our, our marriage for spiritual things. And, and the crazy thing is we actually learned of it while home on leave in a backwoods Baptist church in Tennessee from a guy that wasn't even a member of the church. He was just visiting. He was a trucker. And we just made the mention that, hey, we're, we're really looking for a good church up in Rapid City. And this guy spoke up. He said, I don't even know why I came here tonight. I know why he came. <laughs> and, and this is a church you had to go to on purpose. It, well, you didn't just pass by it like a lot of them little country churches. Like Lick Fork Baptist Church. You don't just pass by it. That's where I went as a kid. I mean, it's way out there. Anyway... He told us about Liberty Baptist Tabernacle Amen. down in the backwoods of Tennessee. Amen. And uh, so here we are. There's a lot in between that. I, I got I to hurry. I have way too much for the time I know you don't want to be here. But, you know, when, when God wants you to know something, he's, rest assured, he's got a way to let you know. So we came back, and, and the very night we walked in, my, my thought has been, man, we just need to hear the gospel preached. Guess what Pastor Williams was going over? Why we preach the gospel. That was his sermon series. That very, the time we started visiting. And I really had no doubts at that point that this was where we should be. Hey, this is a special place. Amen. And uh, I never want to take it for granted, but I always want to take advantage of it. So anyway, we were here through November 2006, got orders to Montana. We were there through December of 2009, and I separated from the Air Force, and from there we felt the Lord leading us to move to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and just a year prior to that, that was a place I said, I could never live here. Make your plans, but God may change them. Everything I looked to was in Colorado Springs for job all that sort of stuff. Now, a year prior to that, I was there for some training, and God put me in the church that we were going to be in for the next six years. And so I didn't, we didn't have to look for a church. I knew where we were going to go. And uh, so I had peace about that. Now, there's a whole lot in there I'm not telling you. We could probably write a book on that whole transaction. But anyway, we were there until March of 2016 when the Lord moved us back to Rapid City, Amen. the place that I had always wanted to be. But it wasn't until I gave up on moving back that the Lord took over and did it. And it was so fast, wasn't it? <laughs> it was so fast. And anyway, there's my life history. 
Pretty exciting, huh? There's a lot in there. I wish I had the time to tell you, uh, just because I feel good when I tell it, not that you even care about it. But, but, but here we are. We started here in, I think it was October time frame of 2000. Now, there's a 10-year gap. We were gone. God took us on a journey for 10 years. And He took us through some deserts. And He took us through some learning and some training and some highs and some lows. Because otherwise, I wouldn't have been prepared to come back here when I wanted to come back. But anyway, with a story like that, I'm sure you'll want an autograph afterwards. So I'll hang around for a bit <laughs> after the service. But uh, seriously, it's a great honor and privilege to be speaking to you today. Uh, at this Our God and Country rally, and, and don't be offended if I don't open my Bible. I printed it all out so I can keep track. I was telling Brother Mike Petraco this morning, I said, all the, I never can just print something out and it go normal. I'll print something out and a page will be missing, or, or it just deletes itself from something. Something always happens. Well, no different uh, was it with this. But So I, I, I want everything in one place so I don't have to switch back and forth because I lose track. And I lose track quickly and sidetrack quickly. <laughs> See, I just did. I, I just, let, let me get serious. I, I love my country, even though she's flawed in many ways. But it's still the best country on the planet. People have given their lives in defense of it and for its way of life. And people have given their lives just to try to get here. How many of you just read the story of that tractor trailer? People trying to come to the United States risked their lives in the back of a tractor trailer and gave most, most of them gave their lives to sit in the back of a hot tractor trailer to get to this country. I don't see any other country people are doing that. Preacher said it well last night. You can tell how great a country is by how many people are coming in or how many are trying to get out. And there's plenty of people trying to get in. We, we are, or at least depending on how you look at it, a, a very blessed nation. And sometimes I wonder why God still chooses to bless. But anyway, God's hand on our country may not be as great as it was, but even then we're still better off than most other countries. Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It's not hard to identify the nations around the globe today that are not blessed by Almighty God. Now, I'm going to try to keep track with what i got going on up here. I have nothing on here to tell me what I need to do back here. And I've never done this before, trying to use this screen, and so who knows. But it's not hard to identify the nations around the globe that are not blessed by God. In the Middle East, China, India, just to name a few, Christians are still dying for their faith in Christ. They're not dying for Buddha. They're not dying for the Hindu religion. They're dying for their faith in Christ. I haven't been threatened for my faith in Christ. So much as a threaten. Matter of fact, people still tend to respect your faith here. Here's some specific countries where persecution of Christians is a great concern. Burma, Eritrea. Uh, which is in Africa, Iran, Nigeria, Africa, Pakistan, Russia, Syria, Vietnam. And these countries are listed by the U.S. as countries of particular concern for that very reason, because of Christian persecution. So at least our country is still concerned about it, to where they would watch it. 
Afghanistan rose to the top of the world watch list. If anybody's familiar with that, there's an organization, organization called Open Doors, and they track this kind of stuff. And for 2022, Afghanistan rose to the top of that list for persecution to Christians. And we know what's happened in Afghanistan in the last little bit. Before that, it was Nigeria. I was just in Niger, which is right next to Nigeria. I, I wasn't in any danger that I saw, but there was plenty going on because I like to know what's going on around me. And so I, I did some research on Africa and you know, the acceptance of Christians and all of that sort of stuff. And Nigeria is a hot spot. And it just fell to Afghanistan this year. In China, Christian churches are required to have surveillance camera inside the building watching the service by the government. And if they vary or if they talk against the government anyway, they will shut them down. Uh, it's illegal in China to attend a church that's not registered with the Chinese government. And if found out, you could be charged with a crime and the church could be shut down, obviously. China's an evil country. There's much to be said in comparison with the USA to these countries. So I want you to take a look at this map here real quick. These are all the countries. Uh, this is this year's map. These are all the countries, that the, the highest. So one is severe and one is extreme. I can't remember which color is which. Notice, notice what country's not lit up anywhere. Our country. But look at all of this over here. Where, where all do we have missionaries at? North Korea up here, number two. I can't remember all the countries, but Afghanistan, Iraq, Russia. Look at Africa. We have a lot of missionaries in Africa. There's a lot of missionaries in Africa. And not until I went to Africa did it really raise my concern about it. There was a missionary kidnapped while I was deployed to Africa, right next door to us. The Navy SEALs came in and saved the day. That was pretty exciting because their plane parked at our base, and I was like, hey, that's the Navy SEALs. Something's happening. They don't just show up to hang out. <laughs> I mean, it was like that. I don't know how they track all of this, but they came in, drove over, shot a couple bad guys, rescued the missionary, and went back home just like it was another day. <laughs> just like I get up and drink coffee in the morning, they go shoot people. <laughs> so anyway, I love our country. I love that we'll do that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not about killing people, but I'm glad that when we need to, we'll send in the bad. Well, they're not the bad guys. They're the good guys, you know. We'll send the good guys to kill the bad guys. Let that map sink into your, your memory. There's a lot to be said. We're, we're free to worship and go to church. And our country was founded upon this freedom. There's not a lot of people in government today that's going to admit that to you. But our country was founded so that we could get up in the morning and we could travel to church. And we could go worship. We could come out today and assemble like we are today. And man, what a crowd. Thank you for being here. Our country was founded on this freedom. The freedom to worship God without government interference and regulation. We're still blessed with that freedom. You better take advantage of it. But what is freedom? What does it mean to be free? I'm sure we, have, we all have an idea. 
See, already, I flipped one picture. Hang on, that ain't where I wanted to go yet. What is freedom? Actually, no, you can't see that. I, I just did the preacher thing in Noel Webster's dictionary here. I, what's free? Being at liberty, not being under necessity or restraint, physical or moral. In government, not enslaved. Not in a state of vassalage. Everybody knows what that word means. Political servitude or subjection or slavery. That's what it means. We're not bound. We're at liberty. We're free. Liberty. Here's three different liberties I want to discuss real quick. Civil liberty is the liberty of men in a state of society or natural liberty, so far only abridged and restrained as is necessary and expedient for the safety and interest of the society, state, or union. Political liberty, sometimes used synonymous with civil liberty, but more properly designates the liberty of a nation, the freedom of a nation or state from all unjust abridgments of its rights and independence by another nation. Religious liberty is the free right of adopting and enjoying opinions on religious subjects and worshiping. Now get this. I I love what he says here. Not any God. And worshiping of the supreme being. Not any God. We've got... That's all messed up today. Oh, we're free to worship how you choose. You're free to worship who you choose. Well, our freedom was based on that we were going to worship God. But in that sense, we weren't going to be pressured on necessarily how we were going to worship God. The supreme being. Freedom's gotten mixed up today. Our freedom was fought for by our forefathers. Let me read you the, it's the second statement of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men, and that's something else, self-evident. It's obvious. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with uncertain unenable. Unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're endowed by God, our Creator, in this country with life, liberty. Now, I want you to catch how I changed this up a little. We are free to pursue happiness. It doesn't guarantee happiness, but you can pursue it with all your might. Isn't that mixed up today? Oh, well, you're supposed to make me happy. No, that's not what it says. The pursuit of happiness. Can I submit to you today that there is only one place, one person you can go for these? That is none other than the Creator Himself. He gives us life that we can find nowhere else. He, we have liberty in Him that, we, that can't be granted by anyone else. And we'll not find happiness until we pursue it in Him. Our society is looking for these things and coming up short because they're looking everywhere except to God, the Creator. Psalm 144.15 says, Happy is that people that in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. 146.5, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. Whose hope is in the Lord his God. Proverbs 16.20 He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord happy is he. You can be happy. You can find happiness. But it's only in God. 
the Lord thy God. That's where you will find it. You, you won't find it in new and improved laws from our government. You'll find more oppression in that than you will find happiness. You'll find more restriction in that than you'll find happiness. But you will find happiness in the Lord God. I have a... Uh, how many of you know who this guy is? Good. All right. Uh, I'm an old car guy, but I'm also kind of an airplane guy. I'm an old airplane guy. This guy is Victor Belenko. Does that ring a bell? Oh, great. Good. You're, this is going to be brand new, and I am so happy. This is Victor Belenko. The, the story of this guy, I'm just, I'm just giving you a short blip of this. He was a, a Russian, a Soviet fighter pilot that defected to the U.S. Uh, more specifically, he, he took his MiG-25, which is over here, and flew it to Japan, where we were. Why did he do that? Because there's something to be desired about the United States. And he saw it. He saw it. So he takes this Russian MiG-25 and says, I'm out of here, guys. <laughs> Lands it in Japan. And he's in the grass because uh, if, the story, if I remember the story right, he had 30 seconds of fuel left by the time he made it. And so he just barely made it. So he flew so fast to try to make it before he ran out of fuel, which to me seems counterintuitive, but he made it. Anyway... He defected to the U.S. Later, he was granted citizenship, and he's been a great asset to the United States ever since then. But he had a fascination. There's his, there's his not his plane, but a MiG-25. But he had a fascination. Oh, now it's going to go like five pictures. He had a fascination with this plane, which I really like this. Let me know what that plane is. That's the SR-71 Blackbird. Fastest plane ever built. It's flown the highest and going the fastest. It's never been shot down. I actually, just a few weeks ago, talked to a former pilot on the phone from the SR-71. It was so cool to talk to this guy. I wanted to get him to come here and speak, but he's way too expensive. <laughs> I mean, I, you would fall over if I told you, but anyway. Victor Belenko was fascinated with this plane, and uh, he had a conversation with the general one day, and he says, uh, by the way, he defected in September of 1976. That's when that was. The SR-71 was built in the, with 60s technology. Russia kept trying to get this plane. It couldn't be shot down. They couldn't see it. It flew at 90,000 feet. 90,000 feet. The story goes from the, the pilot I talked to. He said they could do Nebraska in 4 minutes and 30 seconds. They do 33 miles every minute. That's pretty impressive. Think about that. This was 1960s technology. They could fly from uh, uh, California. They were there. Um, oh, what they were at one of the bases in California. They could be to London in like three and a half hours. We can't even be to Sioux Falls in five hours. <laughs> London in three and a half hours. Anyway, they're, they're so, I, I, I'm with Victor Belenko. I, I like the SR-71. I, I can't spend too much time. I only had two points on it, and I've already, anyhow. Anyhow, Victor Belenko was having a conversation with a United States Air Force general, and he says, how is it that 
the United States, with its Mickey Mouse capitalist government, can build a plane in the 60s that we can't shoot down in the 90s. Yeah. It was never shot. They had some crashes, but it was never shot down. It was never even hit with anything. It flies faster than bullets. Uh, the guy explains, you know, this certain uh, rifle, you shoot it, it's like 3,200 feet a second. The plane cruises at 3,300 feet a second. That's cruising. The, I, I gotta, I'm going to geek out on this thing. I got to move on. <laughs> You know what the general said, his response to what he asked him was? He said, sir, that's what you can do in a country whose men are free. Yeah, powerful statement. Power. Talking to a former Soviet fighter pilot. That's what you can do in a country whose men are free. Oh, we can fly Mach 3 plus. That's fast. I don't even know how fast that is, but that's fast. He said at full speed, it took you three states to turn. <laughs> this is America great. That's just technology. That's, 19, that's not even technology. That's 1960s technology. Anyway. Oh, Lordy. Oh. Whew. Sorry. For some reason, I thought we started at 11, and it's only 11-11, so I felt really good for a minute. But no, we started at 10. I, I, I got to hurry. I'm going to say that about 10 more times. <laughs> Listen, the 4th of July is uniquely American with one exception, and that's the Philippines, which I found that pretty rare. But they celebrate it as their independence from us. I never knew that. We weren't really in you know, direct control of them, but they celebrated, in a sense, as an independence from the United States. For what it's worth, I thought I'd throw that in there. We celebrate because we came out from under British rule of the crown, but it was not at a small cost. It's uniquely American. I love Mount Rushmore. I love that I live in South Dakota. And I love our country. Uh, we must ensure that the truth of this country's freedom continues to be told. How many things do you know of from your childhood that are totally different now as taught than what, it, what the truth really is? We've got to ensure the education of our children is telling them the truth. They deserve it. They deserve to know the truth. Freedom does not just happen, as I'm sure you've seen the posters and signs and shirts that say, freedom is not free. Isn't that ironic that this thing doesn't work? There we go. Let's look at what Ronald Reagan had to say. He said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. That's why your children deserve to know the truth. That's why our generations coming up deserve to know the truth. Hey, it can be gone like that. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like. In the United States where men were free. I don't want to have to sit in my rocking chair one day and tell my grandson, you know, when I was 40 years old, we used to be able to do this. 
But you know, we started caring less and less. And we let stuff get eroded away from us. And we just sat back and watched the evening news and watched Fox News and rant and rave about it. And we never did anything about it. Well, son, that's where we're at now. Listen, I don't want to sit back and tell them what it was once like. I want them to know what it's like. I want them to know what it is to be free. There's, isn't it ironic that uh, it costs something to be free? There's many battles I could mention to you today that were fought in the name of freedom. Freedom always comes at a great cost. It doesn't just happen. I don't have to stand here and tell you today that our country's in a mess. You can see it clearly. I don't want to dwell on that. But we are in a mess spiritually, socially, morally, economically, religiously, etc. We're in a mess. But it's still the greatest country. I asked earlier, what, uh, what is freedom? Yeah, we looked at some definitions, but what is it really? Freedom isn't free, but what is it really? It always comes at a great cost. I'll tell you when I was going through pictures and slides and things that I wanted to use for this, I just sat there and just wept. This, this picture really got me. <laughs> I want you to think about what it means for you to be able to just come here today and sit and listen to old some East Tennessee hillbilly rant and rave about how he loves this country. It always comes at a great cost. So what, what is freedom really? You know, I bet this mom and her son would really like you to stand up for it. To stand up for what that husband. And what that dad died for. I bet they would love you to say, to stand up and say, that's not right. I won't stand for it. I bet they would love you to say, I'm not going to stand by and let this happen. Not on my clock. Not on my watch. I'm not going to stand by and let my government do this to us. Whatever it may be. That's the least. It always comes at a great cost. America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. I wish we had people talk like that today in our government. I wish we had legislators and senators and representatives that would stand like and talk like this. What is freedom? 
what is it really? There's so many different ideas. Freedom is not the right to do anything. It is the right to do the correct thing or the right thing. We have this sign up in our youth room. Something to this effect. You're free to make choices. You're not free to escape the consequences. You see, freedom is not about... And we've, our country has dealt with this. Freedom is not about, hey, do I, do I want to have this baby or not? That's not freedom. That's not at all what freedom is about. Listen, don't misunderstand what I say here. I'm all about pro-choice. You've got to make the right choice. That's not the time to make the choice when you're like, uh-oh. That's not the right choice. I'm all about pro-choice. Please don't misunderstand that. I'm going to go out there. Did you hear that guy up there at Liberty Baptist? you got to make the right choice at the right time. Amen. Don't go back after you, you, know, you found yourself all wrapped up in the heat of the moment and then, oh no. Well, that's my right. I have that freedom. No, that's not freedom. You had the freedom to make the right choice and you chose the wrong one. That's what freedom is. Having some standards and convictions that you won't back down from. You've got freedom to do that. Freedom is not about a boy that wants to be a girl or vice versa. Am I straight or am I gay or whatever else fits that mold? Oh, man. I'm... That's not freedom. Listen, God made us right. He didn't make us that way. I don't care what the argument is. God did not make us that way that so many are proclaiming today. They made the wrong choice. God made us right and we chose wrong. Our country and our legislators are failing us on, on this one in a great way. So if freedom is about doing the right thing, what is the right thing to do? The right thing is stated in God's word clearly. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four 34 through 39. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What's the right thing to do? Love the Lord thy God. I know that's really simple. But that is the right thing to do. And thy neighbor as thyself. You know how many problems in our society would be solved if we would take this portion of Scripture and we would dedicate our lives to the Lord thy God and dedicate our children to the Lord thy God and then we would look at those people around us and realize they're a soul in need. There are people in need just like we are. And we would follow this. We would love God. We would love them. There'd be a lot of problems solved. But we, for too, we have for too long let God be second place in our homes and our churches. And I know this won't be popular, but even in our government. I'm a proponent. God belongs in government. We see what happens when He's kicked out. If you can't identify with Matthew 22 here today, 
uh, as in, He is the Lord thy God, then that's the, one of the first right things you can do. Make Him your God. That's the first right thing. We have freedom to do the right thing, as we saw here, the correct thing. We have freedom to do that. So if He's not the Lord your God, you have that freedom to make that choice today. We have those that cry out to pray for our schools because of the shootings and the violence and all of that. But wait a minute, they kicked God in prayer out of the schools a long time ago. Well, is that okay for me to pray for the school? You won't allow God or prayer in the school, but you want those that have a connection with God and a relationship to God to pray for you, but you won't let Him in. Come on! Our schools will be right, our churches will be right, and our country will be right when our families get right. Psalm 33, 12. I don't know if I read that. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. A nation is people. And when people get right, everything falls on them. When families get right, people get right, it just works its way up. From the bottom up, everything else will get right when our families get right. Dr. Tom Williams has stated many times, he's one of old-time evangelist friends, the problem is not the White House. The problem is our house. So Jesus zeroed in here on being free, and I'm, I am getting closer and closer. He had the right answer for being made free in John 8. preacher sort of touched on this last night, I think. And he was talking with the Pharisees there, and they were talking about, well, we're Abraham's seed, we're free, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. And Jesus was just like, no, here's who you really are. But he says here in, in uh, verse 32, uh, 31 to 32, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on Him, If ye continue in My word, then ye are My disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth. Jesus saith, I am the way, the truth, the life. The truth will make you free. John 8, 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. But the Pharisees didn't like this answer. And as they lashed out to him, and he finally tells them, Ye are of your father the devil. They didn't like his answer of freedom from sin. But you know, when we are free in Christ, we're no longer servants in bondage to sin. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3 and 6, For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us Able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And if we jump down to verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, Now the Lord is that Spirit. The Spirit giveth life. The Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is liberty. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There's freedom in Christ and God, as I mentioned earlier, that you won't find anywhere else. There's liberty and freedom through Him that nothing else in this world can grant you. 
And I am about to finish up. So if the choir would start making their way back up, we'll have one more song for you. Romans 6, 16 through 23. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God bethink that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, delivered you. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness, unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye in those things, whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now being made free from sin. That's real freedom. And become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness. And the end, everlasting life. Being made free from sin. Listen, are you truly free today? You may live in a free country. But are you truly free by the freedom that we read about in the Bible? Being freed from sin. I'm thankful that I live in a free country, but I'm way more thankful that I am free from sin and its penalty. Because a Savior that loved me enough to pay the cost. I, I like this little picture. It just, it just captures it all. But look at the top. Christ loved me enough There's men in our country that loved us enough. They didn't even know us. But they loved our country, what it stood for enough, that they would pay the price. But there's a Savior. Reflect back on that cost. We're bought with a price. A price you and I could never pay. We could never afford it. Remember again, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Would you join me and others? To pray once again for God's blessing on our nation. I do believe we still are a blessed nation, but I think we could be a whole lot more blessed than we are. I think we need to get serious once again about what, what is going on in our country. Not get all tied up in politics, but we ought to be concerned about it enough to at least pray for it. There's nothing wrong with a Christian being holding an office somewhere. And I've considered it greatly. But I'm just not sure. There's nothing wrong with that. How much do you appreciate the freedom that we have today? I hope something I've said today would cause you to just think a little more on it. The price that was paid. Those who fought, who gave, who died, as the song said earlier. Choir's going to sing for you once again after we're done, preacher, if you want to come up. Uh, We're going to sing a song called God Please Bless America.